Sometimes you just got to flick the nipple. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Make yourselves at home. But if this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. My name is Chris, and I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the Superfly Space Guy, Mac. Hola, muchachos. The Cowardly Creeper, Ryan. Hiya. The Scream Queen, Paris. Hey, sweets. And making his debut return, the Automatonophobiac, Peach. Hey, everybody. It's so good to see you, man. It feels so weird to be back for some reason. Everybody is like pretty much the same, I guess. <laughs> nice. Well, everybody's the same except for that new guy, Paris. Yeah. Yeah. Paris is cool, though. I can already tell. I do my best. All right, folks. Well, get those Shutter accounts ready because this week we have a 90s classic that's streaming there right now. More on that in a bit. But first, we do have some follow up. Let's follow up on some things. Okay, so recently we reviewed a film called A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, which may or may not be the longest title for a movie ever made. And we asked our friends in social media what they felt about it. You know, did they give it a hack? Did they give it a slash? And truly, as of this recording, it split 50-50. Unsurprising. I guess so. I, I don't know. I thought more people would like it, but I mean, I didn't. So I guess it makes sense. But most importantly, we actually have an update to the saga of boiler rooms. Um, So I know we've all been anxiously, you know, doing our research, trying to figure out what it is about boiler rooms that make them such a focal point in horror movies. And we actually have some inside intel from Amber. She said, in regards to the whole boilers in schools thing, mostly because it was cheaper to heat the building as well as provide hot water, because in some schools, as creepy as it was, showers were mandatory after all gym classes and sporting events, and I'm so glad that was not the case for my school. To be fair, a lot of high schoolers need to be taking showers oh, yeah. after all their PE classes. <laughs> they can get disgusting. <laughs> as I said on Twitter, I'd just like to think that they're the boiler room's only purpose is to serve as a set for a horror movie. That's It's just what I want. Yeah. You know, even if they have a real purpose. I also like to imagine that school showers only exist in horror movies because I thankfully opted out of any school shower. And I was a football player. Ew. God, yeah, well, God you bless know, your parents giving you a ride home. It was uh, actually it was the activity bus, as we called it back in the day. Even and worse. it was worse. But I was like, look, I'm not taking showers with you guys. I'm getting in the bus and I'll smell and then I'll get home and then I'll take a shower. And I did that for three long years. I for sure changed clothes in a stall in the girls' restroom because I did not want to change in the locker room. Yeah, never a fun time. Mm. Well, good to know that we were all taken back to those memories. Thank you so much, Amber. Amber said that she actually looked into her old school specifically for this information. So thank you. That's thorough reporting. You are a regular investigator. (laughs) But speaking of investigators, a little while ago, we checked out Scream 2. And Scream 2 features Sarah Michelle Gellar. We all know what else Sarah Michelle Gellar's been in. Then just a couple short weeks ago, we saw Matthew Lillard in 13 Ghosts. Well, folks, this week we're rounding out the Scooby-Doo gang. This week we're looking at another Kevin Williamson screenplay. This one penned before he blew audiences away with Scream. We're talking about that 1997 classic 90s slasher that everybody knows and loves. Debate on the love. I know what you did last summer. Now, let me just say this. I hope... I really, really, really hope I'm not the only one who's seen this movie. Can I offer you guys what happened to me, my roommate, and my girlfriend? We're, we're queuing the movie up. We're going to watch it. And all of us are like, oh, yeah, I've totally seen this movie. We start watching it. And like 25% the way through, we're like, 
I don't think I've seen this movie. <laughs> so I don't know what happened, but either we forgot it or we mistakenly thought we saw it because we've seen movies inspired by this. Or did you watch I Still Know What You Did Last Summer? I think I, I, it's possible. Like off the top of my head, I'm not sure. But we like swore up and down that we had seen this and that we remembered everything about it. And then we started watching. We're like, nope, I actually don't remember this. I personally think that maybe your brain cells made a decision to purge this from your memory. (laughs) Um, Because I'm pretty convinced that that's what happened with me. I've definitely seen the movie. There are specific scenes where I was like, yeah, unless I uh, dreamt this. You know how there's that thing where like two ideas can be can occur in different places in the world at the same time. Mm-hmm. So unless me and the filmmakers of this movie had the same ideas at the same time, I've definitely seen it, but I definitely didn't remember almost any of it. Like not vividly, not to the point where I was like, Oh yeah, that thing. It also complicates things that this movie is one of the ones that was heavily uh, referenced in the scary movie franchise. Uh, with that being said, I had not seen this movie before, but I knew a lot about it. I was familiar with the premise Um, It felt like I had already seen the entire opening before, and maybe I had. I think I started this movie because I had a playlist inspired by it. Um, But yeah, this was my first time fully watching it. Yeah, this was my first time too, but I can agree with Paris. I saw the scary movie version, and I was kind of already knowing what was going to happen. I just didn't know it was referencing to this film. And I remember like looking up the title. I I didn't see any trailers for this movie at all. I just kind of went off my gut feeling of what I thought this movie was going to be about. So not, not really knowing much going into it, you know, it definitely, it definitely had those moments where I was kind of like, Oh, <laughs> that scene, that's what they're referencing. There's a lot of references. I am curious to know, looking back at the movies that you guys have seen after you see scary movie, <laughs> if you had a harder time taking it ser- seriously and valuing it for what it is, because you already had it turned into a joke in your head. I'd be curious to see that in the future. I'll give it some credit because honestly, if it's good enough to be made fun of, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's worth the watch. Maybe it's, yeah. it's themes and it's uh, motifs are, are, are worth watching after someone else makes fun of it just a little bit. Perhaps, perhaps. This is one that I saw when it came out in 1997 and boy, I remember the feeling of enjoying it. I remember that. I don't remember much else. Um, it definitely wasn't as good as Scream. I, w- I was seven when I saw this movie, and I watched it a few times as a teenager, and it was always just like, oh, yeah, it's that other 90s slasher, the one with Jennifer Love Hewitt, you know, it's, it's that one. But I was really excited to revisit this as an adult because I wanted to pick up and like, just actually look at dialogue and Kevin Williamson's writing and looking at aspects of their performances that I didn't really appreciate or pick up on before when I watched this as a child. But what did you expect? I expected it to be shitty. Yep. <laughs> because, you know, when, when things get parodied, like maybe they were they had iconic scenes. But yeah, I didn't expect a lot. I thought this movie would be pretty shitty just because, you know, 90s horror is really hit or miss. And I didn't expect the... Because I really only knew that um, Jennifer Love Hewitt was in it. Uh, but I didn't expect there to be like such an all-star cast of like 90s it celebrities of the time. I was also expecting Brandy to be in this, and she wasn't. And then I realized that that was the sequel. Yeah. It Was it an all-star cast or the cast of Scooby-Doo? Well, you had some power there. You had Anne Hesch. Wait, who else is in Scooby-Doo in this? Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh. Yeah, it's only two people, but it feels like all of them. So Okay, so we really are rounding it out. There were actors from Scooby-Doo in this. Yes. Okay, because without even knowing that, I already kind of thought this crew already these characters were kind of like the scooby-doo gang but i didn't know they were the actual actors bingo 
Wow. Yeah. That for me is something that I don't know. I feel like I've already complained about this twice in the past like two months, but there's just something about these characters or these actors being in Scooby-Doo that just ruins them for me for some reason. (laughs) I can't separate it. The other thing is I always think that this movie is Lindsay Lohan's I Know Who Killed Me. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why. So going in, I expected to not like this movie, even though it's in it's in my 90s genre that I usually like. Um, And I would say it's like it's not it's not like a super uh, campy high school kids doing things, you know, so um, it's not all negative, but I did not expect to like it. I didn't expect to like it personally. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I had never seen it before, but when I was like looking at it, and again, like all, the only thing I looked at was like just the, the, the cover of the disc um, online. Um, and uh, I don't know. I just, I didn't really get the vibe I was looking for from it. This is not a movie I'd really just pick up and watch unless maybe like a friend kind of suggested it. Um, but uh, I'd be curious to see what y'all have to say about it and you know what, what most most people think. I was expecting oversized sweaters and happy to say you will get some. Also some nice crop tops happening. Yes. Some very nice crop tops. Some crocheted tanks. Yeah. Crocheted Uh, halter maybe. So we know at the very least there's some okay fashion to go around. Agreed. Oh, okay. This is, this is a great year for fashion, right? I mean, it's, it's the time that we all look back on and we're just like, what were we thinking? Yet at the same time, it's just amazing. Mm. What I was not expecting, though, is how much I would miss seeing Linda uh, Cardellini and Matthew Lillard because the gang's not all here. I need the whole Scooby-Doo troop. Wow, I've never felt that way except when I'm watching Scooby-Doo. It's okay. Just go back and watch The Curse of La Llorona and you'll be fine. <laughs> this is true. I don't know what has tainted us more, Scooby-Doo or Scary Movie. Scooby-Doo. You know what? While I was watching this, it was kind of both. It was like half and half, like an equal mix. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I love Scooby-Doo. I guess I'm glad I've never seen the Scooby-Doo. Wait, you've never seen Scooby-Doo? No. You need to. I'm okay. Like any of it or just the like... I've seen like the cartoon. Live. Okay. No, watch the first one. Freddie Prince Jr. for sure looks weird as a blonde, but it's a a pretty good version of Scooby-Doo. It would have to be like so campy and stupid for me to enjoy it. There it is. I mean... (laughs) Oh. It's not bad. There's some magic involved. I mean, Scooby-Doo also dresses in drag, so there you go. Oh, God. Oh, well, that was actually... Okay. Maybe. We'll see. (laughs) When I was taking notes, that, like, dilemma with Scooby-Doo, it was, like, so bad for me, and I'm already so bad with character names, I literally started calling, like, Fred out and Daphne out, and it's just, like, literally... Like circling these characters' names and (laughs) that's all I used on my notes. Like, this is rude. I know that Jennifer Love Hewitt wasn't in Scooby-Doo, but she just seems like she could be in (laughs) (laughs) Scooby-Doo. I think she would have been a good one, yeah. It just seemed she could could fit there. And maybe I'm just reducing her career to not enough, but. (laughs) Maybe. Really what I wanted to look forward to was actually looking at Jennifer Love Hewitt. And I don't remember why. I just have this feeling thinking of like, Jennifer Love Hewitt is kind of overrated. But. I've been watching her in 911 and she has got some chops. Like she's really solid. So when I was looking back at this movie, I found that not only was it, it was kind of like a fun watch. Um, at least it was like 23 years ago when I saw it the first time, but this was like an easy, no major barriers in this. Like some movies have like a hard stop and like, wow, this one element is so distracting. I can't get past this. This was a nice, easy ride. And her performance in particular, it was cool looking back on how she's grown 
and seeing like what potential she had and just the way she needed to be shaped in terms of her acting. But how about you guys? How did you feel while you were watching it? So I have a, a, a way to describe how I felt during this. And I hope you guys will bear with me here. I'm going to use a very, what I think is a very common uh, description, which is Chick-fil-A, right? You have your meal that you get at Chick-fil-A. You get it a certain way, right? Maybe you like pickles, maybe you don't, maybe you get the spicy sandwich, whatever it is. And you you have your sauces, right? So you have, for me, I have to have two barbecue, two Polynesian, and a hot sauce, one Texas Pete. No Chick-fil-A sauce? No Chick-fil-A sauce. I'm not that kind of girl, okay? I'm not that kind of girl. And I need the sandwich and the fries. I don't need one or the other. I gotta have both. Drink is optional, but there's a, there's a certain recipe, and this applies for a lot of places that I like to eat. I have a certain thing that I like there. And this movie made me feel like someone went and got me Chick-fil-A and forgot to bring my sauces. So I have a I have a chicken sandwich that's good and I have fries that's good. It, it's just not the same without the sauce. And that's how I felt about this movie. I can't say that like you were just saying, Chris, there's nothing that like stood out to like offend you in its good or badness. But like as I was watching this, I was like, man, I just need some polynesian here i need some polynesian ryan that might be the most poetic thing you've ever said on this show (laughs) you know i just came up with it and i'm very proud of it now who's using metaphors i know but you know it's that thing you feel it you know what i'm saying all of you listening you know exactly what i mean it's that indescribable something it's just a little something yep i was entertained perhaps this is because uh you know this is from the era that i remember like very like fondly not vividly, but fondly. I was young. And this is a time where I still had some memory. But, uh, you know, because when you're like really, really young, you don't, re- you don't truly remember anything that well. But I remember like a little bit. I remember the feeling of what it was, you know, like to be in the late 90s. I remember Friends. And this was like watching the Friends era version of a horror movie. So, I, you know, while watching and I'm just thinking like, this is a time before COVID-19. This is a time before 9-11. This is a time before we knew how bad things were going to get. We this can't just new. give everything credit because it's pre-COVID. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, but this is a nice time capsule. I got to give it credit because it's the year I was born. Oh, this is the year that Peach was born. So this is... <laughs> That's yeah. I just got to say this. It's also the year the Marlins won the World Series for the first time. So it was a good year all around. (laughs) I'm so glad Peach is back because I'm not the youngest anymore. This is true. (laughs) But you still haven't seen most of the movies yet. Correct. Yeah. But this, you know, it's it's weird because it's a horror movie, but it's still oddly got that like feel good feeling going on that we had in a lot of 90s and late 90s like movies and TV shows. Where even though you know like bad stuff is happening, there's like generally a positive feeling. It's not super gritty like you get into the you know like mid two thousands. Like everything's gritty. Doesn't matter what you're watching, everything gets gritty for no reason. And this didn't really have that feeling. Like I feel like this could have been turned into like a teen drama halfway through the movie. So accurate. And so you know, I I enjoyed it. It's, it was a simpler time. The computers made me laugh. I don't know if you guys had the same reaction to watching that massive laptop <laughs> definitely seeing that little red rubber nib that you could use as like a really like specific and i don't understand because I've, i was never like adept at using that thing i still don't know what its purpose is so that replaces the trackpad or touchpad but there's always still a trackpad yep yeah this is a weird thinkpad thing that like some people will never like 
that's just never let you take it away from them. They love the idea of this nipple in the middle of a computer. Sometimes you just got to flick the nipple. I completely forgot about that. As somebody who was pretty skilled at using that as a cursor, I honestly think it could have a resurgence one day. It was pretty, pretty effective at what it had to do. Um, but watching this movie, I was surprised that even though I hadn't seen it, I got a lot of nostalgia feelings as if I had seen it just because of all the actors, all the vibes, all the outfits. Um, but I was also like really surprised by the fact that even though it was, it felt like it was a super predictable movie, but I was still surprised by like the ending and like the turn of events. And I was like, how did that happen? I don't really understand it myself. Were you surprised or confused? <laughs> I was confused for a minute. And then in the end, I, it was, it ended with surprise, but there was confusion on the way. <laughs> Yeah, when they when they retold the whole story back to you, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was really excited to be back on the show, but when we when I found out that this is the movie we were going to watch, I was like, I don't even want to watch this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was just one of those ones like Welcome we all back. have. We all have the movie, you know, where it's like I I have to watch this. It's not like I want to watch it. It's kind of like I am going to have to watch this. And this was one of those for me. But as I was I was surprised. I mean, I was surprised. Um, it's like right off the get go in the movie. It's like I'm already thinking, well, this is like obviously 90s. I mean, everything was screaming 90s and automatically like I'm getting different vibes from other movies in the 90s, like Scream and things like that. And um, like it was good. I think it definitely ranks among those films in the 90s, especially like in this in a successful horror genre that only the 90s seem to kind of pull off. Um in its own way. And, um, I, I, I actually enjoyed watching this, but it, like, it's definitely its own class, I guess, of horror. Like, um, like it's, I don't think it's as funny as Scream or like when it was pulling out, you know, um, comedy, uh, in, in too many scenes, but it was also trying to be like mystery and, trying to it's like it's lots a lot of investigation and clues and who did this who did that could it be you could it be you know him or and i actually get a thrill out of that um it was a lot of fun but i don't think it was really scary yeah this is the kind of movie that predates pretty little liars so if you like pretty little liars this <laughs> this is right up your alley also a lot of characters in the movie don't really seem to act like people do nowadays yeah that's fair like it's very stereotypical but Kind of thinking about it closely, I don't really know many people that would have acted in that kind of manner or in that kind of way like these characters did. Oh, for shits and giggles, just like you're saying that like they kind of act in a stereotypical way. I wrote down a list of tropes and cliches of slasher movies that this movie violates. Would you like to know the fi- final number, please? It's high. I want to get your bets. Um, Let's go for 15 for Mac. That's pretty good, Mac. I'm going to say 16, and this is Price is Right rules. I'm going to say nine because I, I, how many even tropes can you list off the top of your head? I'm going to go with lucky number 13. Double that. It's 26. What? Oh. Oh. Ooh, price is right rules. I got it. <laughs> yeah. Paris wins. <laughs> can we get those listed? Now we will go over that in the second half, but you're absolutely right, Paige. You know, this really is very stereotypical in terms of the way these characters kind of play out. That's definitely what it felt like. <laughs> is there such thing as a stereotypical fishing town? Because that that was one of the things that stood out to me. It was like, so if we're in a fishing town, everyone has the same uh, same raincoat, same hat, same... Uh, <laughs> I don't even know the names of these things because I've never been to a fishing town. <laughs> Look, you got one store to buy this stuff from, so everyone's going to get the same one. 
Are there fishing towns like this? Does this exist? Yeah, I mean, this kind of town used to exist. In the Pacific Northwest? Yeah, I was thinking Pacific Northwest. I was or, thinking Maine. Yeah, yeah, those are the two things I thought. But no one said Wicked, so I knew it wasn't Maine. Yeah. Also, the kelp forests were a dead giveaway. I mean, they very clearly say it's North Carolina. What? Yeah, they have North Carolina plates on the cars and all the sorts of stuff, so it's pretty obvious. This is not how North Carolina is. <laughs> no. That Just opening so shot, very California, not North Carolina at all. I've been up and down yeah. the whole coast of North Carolina. That ain't it. <laughs> the movie is basically like, they're like, we want to make a movie that's effectively a main fishing town, but not have it set there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to go out and say that kelp forests do not exist in North Carolina, and that was factually incorrect on the movie. Not at all. Not at all. And that water was mad clear. Oh, there, I, have, I have things. Also, as someone who went to high school in like the South South, no one has enough twang. Like the main characters, you know, <laughs> so they should be true. like, oh my God, he's going to kill me. <laughs> so funny enough, I lived in North Carolina in 1997 and nobody had twang there either. What? What part of yeah. North Carolina was it though? I lived in Thomasville, North Carolina. Oh my God, I lived in Fayetteville. Nice. Wait. No one had twang? No one had I was just in North Carolina two weeks ago and they had twang. <laughs> and and let me and let me tell you this, no twang there. I moved to East Texas the next year. Lots of twang, obviously. So I definitely have those wow. as two very distinct kind of cultures in my mind. No twang whatsoever. Mac, last when you were there two weeks ago, did they have twang or tang? Are you getting confused with No, the they had twang. They're down <laughs> in North Carolina. North Kakalaka, if you will. And they had some serious twang. Bless your hearts. So let me tell you something that surprised me the most about this movie. And I know a few things may or may not have surprised you guys. Looking at eyebrows, right? Like they're the most, in my opinion, the most expressive part of the human face. Would you agree? Yes. Absolutely. It surprised me how Sarah Michelle Gellar is to this day the only woman in Hollywood I've ever seen who can get away for those with those god awfully thin eyebrows and still look gorgeous. Yeah, I mean her brows are on fleek, even though they're just microscopic. They're always on fleek. She honestly has like Emma Roberts brows. She just looks great. I don't know. Some people use them. Some people don't. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I don't know. Like some people are just expressionless. Like you ever have a conversation with somebody? And like I don't specifically just look at their eyebrows all the time. Like you think you don't. Well, maybe not. Maybe them. not consciously, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like ooh. Like what about unibrows though? Like you, how do you read that? You read it as a persistent <laughs> frown. You read it as someone that doesn't like to maintain their facial hair. That's probably the time I'm I'm most like conscious about looking at eyebrows. But wait, if they're expressive, a unibrow would make them even more expressive because there's more eyebrow to look at. Yeah, more expressive in the center of their don't want to keep up with their facial hair. Center of their face, though. I think it limits them because it's actually less eyebrows. One eyebrow instead of two that you can operate independently. And just like you guys said, while this movie isn't scary, I will say this. It does have that enough of that mystery. It has enough of that whodunit element. And just, just enough murder and mayhem where this has now like become on my list of movies to help someone transition into horror with very easily. It's on the softer scale, but as you're ready to start getting into a little bit amounts of gore. Okay, are we just unanimously declaring that this movie wasn't scary? Because two of the jump scares actually got me good. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess like, I don't know, they, one of them, like they did a really good job of like me not seeing it coming because there was no like music that was like making it obvious or anything. And then the other one was, let's say at the end. Um, and I feel like that one was just a cheap shot, but it, it still got me. <laughs> you got got by that at the end? 
I did. That one got me the most. Oh my gosh. There's a good way to judge a jump scare. So it's it's got to be the feeling that it creates inside you. And that feeling could be related to the same feeling you would get when someone like jumps into your lane when you're driving and you don't realize it until you think you're about to hit them. And you think like, oh my God, it's too late. I'm about to hit them. And like all the pins and needles go on, like the back of your neck is just like lit on fire. Or the feeling when you wake up and it's 11.30 and all you think is I was supposed to be work at nine. Ooh. That feeling, that's like, that's the feeling a good jump scare gets you. And then you realize, okay, like I wasn't supposed to be at work and you know, I'm off today. But there is a good jump scare in the middle of the movie that I didn't expect that I was like, ooh, I'll give, I'm going to give him credit for that. There was a good jump scare. I can't wait to hear what that was because I'm at a total loss. And that, I do remember this movie. Let, let's not confuse that for me not remembering. I really want to know what you classify as a good jump scare. I'm sure it's the same one. Oh, yeah. I also cannot. Chris, I have no idea what they're talking it's, about. <laughs> it's the middle of the movie that startles me. It's the whole anything but the end <laughs> that startles me. <laughs> it's not a necessarily scary moment. But the way they employ the jump scare creates a small version of that feeling of, oops, it's 11 o'clock and I'm supposed to be at work at nine. Hmm. Totally. Yeah. I wasn't scared during this movie. I think, Chris, you have a point about it being like kind of entry level horror. I'm actually kind of surprised it's rated R, which I just looked at. And it, this definitely has the feeling of like a PG-13 movie. Maybe like if there was something in between, that's what this would be. So it doesn't have like that super gory, I don't know, raunchy feeling of like a rated R movie. So I definitely agree with like the beginner-y feeling. I'm on the Ryan bus. I didn't really think it was that scary. The jump scares were, uh, they were jump scares, but it wasn't like the scariest thing. I don't know. They didn't really get me in any way. It was just kind of like, oh, he got got. And that was it. But it was more of like a a suspenseful kind of feeling. It was kind of like this person's being followed or somebody's watching. Like it it was kind of one of those feelings. It wasn't really much of like the quick, like one split second, like they had those and they put them in there, but I didn't really think overall they were that frightening. Mm, Yeah. There's one scene that I actually made a note of Peach that it was definitely going to freak you out. I'm curious to get your thoughts on it later. Obviously it didn't scare you, but I saw this one scene. I'm like, Oh, what a great movie for Peach to come back to. Mm. Yeah, I think I know which one you're talking about. I think the scariest part about this is really just a chain of bad decisions by the main characters. And what's scary about that is like, you're like, one day I hope, you know, if if you're like me, you're like, I hope to be a parent and I hope to raise kids who can understand and embrace logic. And if they were ever to make the chain of decisions that the characters in this movie made, like, I don't know how I would react because... It just takes some common sense and common decency for this movie, for the story in this movie, rather, to never happen. It would take like two seconds. Yeah. To me, that's what made it unscary because as soon as the, you know, point of the movie occurs, I'm like, that's a bad idea. (laughs) Right. And also, for sure, not, well, you know, this is 20 something years ago. So maybe they'd get away with it at that point. But clearly now they're not getting away with it. And I'm judging them for being so dumb to even try the things that they were trying. And I'm judging the ones in the movie that were trying to make the right decision and were let themselves be overruled. Yeah, that's the worst part is like someone like actually knows what's right and wrong and still just like sits back and is like, okay, I can't I can't uh, tell everyone else what to do. And I'm not even going to go around them to do the right thing. It just it reminds me of this movie Bully, which is based on a true story where a group of friends are tired of their friend, if you will, who's like the neighborhood bully is a total douche to them or whatever. And they like 
they set up this scene to like kill him. And this happens in real life and it's horrifying. The movie is is so intense when you get to that. It's it's crazy. But it just like reminds me of that where like teenagers do not know what to do with their lives. Even ones that are like well educated and well intentioned still sometimes make some really stupid decisions. And that's what's that's what's truly scary. Is you're like, man, teenagers are just like you can't trust them. <laughs> I don't think you can blame this on being a teenager. This guy was just a d bag. Right. Yeah. This movie really what plays out here is the sum of toxic masculinity and alcoholism put together. Well, you said it. Plus being a privileged douchebag. Those three things, it's like an unstoppable fire for the character in this movie. I'm just saying, I was a teenager once. I am making decisions like this. Yeah, same. But I was raised not to make decisions like this. (laughs) I think this is that kind of movie where it's like... Especially like since we're talking about that, um, the situation they put themselves in and the decisions they make, there's a lot of like, man, wouldn't that suck if I was in that situation? Like some of those characters, you know, they didn't really have anything to do with it. And then um, some of those other characters were like, yeah, I mean, like making the bad decisions, you know, that we think are obviously wrong. And um, it was kind of like a man, I hope this works out for them. I hope things kind of play out in the future and you already know like they have a pretty like bright future ahead of them so you're like man what if something happened to me like that like what would i do and would i be willing to risk all of that with the choices that these characters are making you know and i think that's what made the movie interesting to me and maybe took the chill factor off of it it was more of like a gosh this would suck (laughs) um but i mean there were things they could have done to prevent all that from happening yeah, I feel like when somebody does something really messed up or makes a horrible decision and they're like, I can't believe we did this. My first reaction is going to be, what are you talking about we? You did this. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's no we here. There was a we up until that point. Now there's just a you. It's kind of like when, um, you know, one of the things I'm really afraid of with like social media, especially is like you're just in the wrong place at the wrong time. You don't even need social media. You could still end up in that photo tag somewhere, you know, and that's kind of what happens to some of these characters. They just get dragged into this. They're like, oh, I just happen to be in this car. Like this guy, you know, like I'm not going to give any spoilers right now, but it just, everything just kind of played out the way it was. And it was just wrong time, wrong place. And with these wrong people. Absolutely. Now looking at the way the story plays, right? You just, as you say, wrong place, wrong time. Yeah. This movie is based on a novel from the seventies of the same name. They definitely take a lot of liberties. They change up some things. Um, And there are a few ways that you can look at this. Right? You can put one hat on and, and see it like, this is a story of innocence loss, the reckoning of teenagers, because now they got to be adults, and now their fantasy world is over, now they have responsibilities. Or you can just put your other hat on and be like, oh, okay, no, it is for sure just a run-of-the-mill slasher where a bunch of teenagers are being hunted by a mysterious figure, and it's a whodunit story, a revenge story, and there are even elements of like urban legends kind of mixed up in there. So at its core, it is not in itself the like cutting edge of originality, right? But compare this to slasher, other slashers that came out around the time, and this one definitely does try to have a little bit more substance. And that could be to its detriment, that could be to an its to its advantage. We'll find out in a bit. But it definitely does hit a little bit differently, despite all those common factors. What about you guys? Or did you find anything original in this? It's weird to answer this question because I think all of us might have a little bit of a feeling of it doesn't seem original because I've seen so many other things that have the same story. 
But the real question would be, in 1997, was that the case? So it's hard to look back because how old were we back then? And had we even seen the movie at that point? I, I think if you're watching it, it just doesn't feel that original. But I don't know how it was when it came out. I don't know if it felt brand new and if it felt like different. All I know now is we've seen the story so many times applied to so many other genres. Yep, I agree with that 100%. I think this movie definitely belongs in the 90s. <laughs> it's just, I mean, there's just so many films like this, like the aesthetics and everything. It just it just feels like the 90s. I don't think they could make a movie like this today and and really maybe be as successful. Like I definitely don't I'm tired of remakes. I really am. Um but I would not want them to. So I would not want to see a remake of this now. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if somewhere out there somebody already has done it with just a new title, um, because the plot itself seems very uh, generic, at least like the beginning and then just the end. But everything else in between has its own play in it, and um, that's where like the crime thriller kind of comes in a little bit. I don't really <clears throat> know if like. You mentioned a book was written and this is based off a book. I don't really know if the book was written to like scare people or if this was a book that was kind of like many other books, a crime thriller. That was more like a thriller. This is like this script actually intentionally turns it into a horror movie. And it seems to try to set it up like that with um, what you learn in the beginning before everything hits the fan. Um, They kind of like give you some perspective as to like, oh, yeah, maybe this is a real thing or it's funny they're talking about this now. This could happen later. And then it, you know, like the whole tale, telltale thing that they have going. um, I think that's kind of their leap into horror a little bit. And then I have it actually happening. Plus the the fact it should have been PG-13, like Ryan said. I mean, there was some blood and they tried to make it a little bit like some jump scares, but that's kind of where it is on the mark for me. Now, Peach, hear me out. You mentioned social media earlier. Now, what if there was a remake of this movie where somebody saw what happened, caught it on camera, and sort of used social media to blackmail the group of people? How does that sound? I think that has actually made been made in a movie already, though, hasn't it? Um, it was more so. recent. Is that Unfriended? Unfriended? Is that what it is? Maybe. Um, it's similar. I'm such a good idea, Paris. I um, was gonna I was gonna trap Peach into admitting that he would enjoy Pretty Little Liars. That's where I was going with it. <laughs> I feel like I've seen it before, honestly. I just I just can't recall. Yeah. First of all, look at the cast of Pretty Little Liars and tell me anyone would not enjoy that. How could you not enjoy it? It's so good. Shay Mitchell stole my heart. Shay Mitchell has a gorgeous home, by the way. I watched an Architectural Digest special going into her house, and it's stunning. I thought you were going to say you went there. I was hoping for an MTV Cribs reference, but it's okay. Well, Architectural Digest has this new show where it's like Cribs, but better, because it focuses more on like the good stuff. No escape rooms or like rooms like gilded with gold all over. Yeah, or like a 15-minute segment in, their, in the parking garage of all their cars. Come on. That's the best part. So earlier you guys were talking about the uh, the ending and, and Paris, I know you got got in the ending a little bit. I would say this wraps itself up pretty conclusively and then just tosses that idea right out the window. How did you, how did you guys feel <laughs> about the ending? It was conclusive yet ambiguous, which is just a contradiction. I think Mackenzie hated the end end. <laughs> you guys know I'm always trying to predict what he thought. Um, the sequel baiting in this movie is astronomical. Truly hmm. remarkable. Honestly, I don't know that I've ever seen sequel baiting the way I've seen it in the, at the end of this movie. Um, generally, in the end, meh, it was okay. That's how I felt. I don't like when they like 
re-explained a bunch of things that meant nothing. There were some parts of the story where I was like, didn't need that, but it was okay. Okay, so let's let's talk about this because maybe one of you guys knows the the title of the sequel to this movie. What's what's the title? Oh, would that be? I still know what you did last summer. And amazingly, at the end of this movie, there's a direct reference to that. So yeah, it's it's not my favorite ending. The sequel baiting is hardcore in this movie. Now, the lead up to how there could be a sequel, huge fan. Because I always like there to be a reasonable like backstory to how there could be a sequel. Yes. To any kind of movie, whether it's whether it's a Star Wars movie or, you know, a horror movie or, or whatever. So I actually like how they set that up. But I just the fact that like they had to show that like, hey, we're gonna make this into a franchise, just just calm down. This isn't Avengers. They can get away with that because we all know it's Disney and whatever. But this was this was a little bit painful to watch at the end because I was just like, I know there's a sequel personally because it's been out for however long. But just watching it and seeing it like basically written in front of our eyes, sequel coming whenever, ugh, not fun. So yeah, not not my favorite ending. But the lead up to the fact that there could be something else, I was actually okay with. I think that last bit speaks to the time that this movie came out because like I think if a movie came out like now you're assuming that most people are going to watch it streaming and I don't think you would do something like that at the end but like if you think of like a 90s okay if you think of the Scream 2 um, movie theater where it's just like so much energy and excitement about going to the movies and then this like at the end of the movie I think it is 100% due to what year this came out, um, why they felt the need to do something like that. And I'm sure it was very exciting for two seconds in the theater. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely <laughs> the zeitgeist. It's like when you watch one of those shows from that time and you get to the very end of the show and it says, like, name of show will continue. And then they get canceled. It just, like, it just hurts. It's like, don't even give us that. Just, like, end the story and let us be okay with another story happening if it happens. To be honest, I really did not have much thought on this ending. <laughs> I just knew there was a second one and a third one. And the way that it did conclude, like it was just like crash over, you know, like it was just loud and then over credits roll. And it was just like, uh, okay. Like you can miss it in the blink of an eye. I thought the way that they did it was a little bit corny. So it was bland and generic is what I'm taking away from that because you didn't have much thought towards it. Yeah. So this movie may have landed with a little bit of a measure of blandness or being generic. And hey, that may be indicative of what's to come here shortly, but let's start making our way to our scores before we do. Paris, do you have the body count for us? Yes, I do. It is six and it's a clean six, but I had a few questions about that. We can unpack that after. Mm, okay. That's fair. It's it's a pretty decent 90s slasher body count, I would say. And Ryan, how many of those six were animals? So I would say there's no animal deaths. However, I guess it all depends on if you're a vegan or not. Um, this is a fishing town. So take what you will from that. Well, thank goodness there are no animal deaths in this because that might have been a little bit too much to bear. But now that we have that bloody stuff out of the way, let's get down to business. I know what you did last summer. From 1997, was it a hack or a slash? I'd, I'd love to go first. It was a slash. I found the movie to be entertaining and to bring me back to a simpler time. It has a weird feel. And if I think if you were perhaps not around back in the late 90s, you may not be able to relate to this feel. But go rewatch The Office or Parks and Rec or some other like TV show 
that like brings back a certain feeling in you, whatever that show is. And that's kind of how I'm feeling now. This brings me back to a time that I look upon with, uh, you know, a little bit of lightheartedness. So while we're watching it, there's basically three people in their 30s at some point in their 30s. And we were entertained. You know, we, we enjoyed watching it, giving lots of feedback while watching it, making lots of jokes. And so I can't really hate on it. We weren't making fun of it. We were kind of making fun of the things that it was referencing inside of the script and, you know, bringing in our modern interpretation to it. So I got to give it a slash. Yeah, I think I was making a lot of fun of this movie when I was watching it. But because of that, I'm I'm going to give it a slash because <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> I just enjoyed like these characters and like the decisions they were making. I was just thinking of so many different things and giving it my own references and like quoting for the characters themselves, even though that's not what they were saying. And oddly, I liked doing that in this film because it was just funny. And I, I, I mean, I got my rocks off on that. So I mean, I guess I enjoyed it. So I, I think it'd be wrong for me to say that uh, it's a hack. But um, you know, if you're a viewer like me and you do that kind of stuff, then you might like it. This movie had a lot of overacting, but it also reminded me of three very specific movies. And I thought, I was like, is this like a ripoff? Like what's going on? And those movies are Cruel Intentions for obvious reasons, The Craft for maybe less obvious reasons, and Drop Dead Gorgeous. Now, these three movies are actually three of my favorite movies of all time. So for this to bring so much of that energy, I can't help but give it a slash. It's not the best. There's a lot of things wrong with this movie. Like, obviously, it looks like Jennifer Love Hewitt went to the same acting school as Kristen Stewart because they're both doing that, like, weird thing that they do. Um, But in the end, I love Sarah Michelle Gellar. I love actually pretty much everybody in this except Freddie Prince Jr. And I don't hate him. Um, And it gave me so many moments of joy just, like, watching this, like, small town. These kids make, like, a really stupid murder pact, which, like, I love a murder pact. Uh, and just watching it all play out. So I wasn't mad. I loved a lot of the dialogue. Some of the writing in there was actually really like uh, cheeky. And I like that. Um, so this gets a slash. And this is also a second slash in a row for me because I just slashed Midsommar. So we are on a roll right now. This is unprecedented. I literally can't believe the words that I'm hearing. <laughs> I'm blown away. I feel like our listeners, if you're driving, like you may have just gotten to an accident when Paris said slash. <laughs> Hopefully not. Hopefully not. But like. If you did, I get it. I don't agree with anything you guys have said. (laughs) I didn't enjoy the writing in this movie. I feel like, you know, there's one scene in particular, which is very close to the beginning. So I don't mind saying it. And I actually text Chris because they said, who is it? And then they said, I don't know. His face is all beat up. As if they were just going to recognize a human (laughs) that they've never met before. Like that was their their way to figure out who he was. I don't know. Maybe that's silly. And it was when I received that text and I saw the first quotation mark and knew she was quoting this movie. Then you should gonna hack. It. <laughs> <laughs> I very frequently will just send completely out of context quotations to Chris of things that I find ridiculous in the movies that I'm forced to watch for you people. It's a good beginner horror, I think. Um, I think there is some fun to be had. However, I feel like I have to defend my 90s. Like this is, it has the look of 90s horror, but my theory is that this is somehow ahead of its time because this like story and plot and dialogue and everything, I feel like is more suited for like early 2000s. And so 
it doesn't give me the 90s thing that I want. It doesn't give me that feeling that I enjoy from 90s where I'll let the silliness slide sometimes. And then also like just the whole premise kind of gets thrown out the window for me because I think it's ridiculous <laughs> altogether, which is my fault. I have to I have to let myself believe in things in horror and this is just not one of those that I could go with. I needed my sauce. I needed some Polynesian and barbecue with a little Texas Pete and I didn't get it here. So it's a hack. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen. This is definitely one has nothing to do with what I would recommend to somebody. It's just for me. Like, I don't want to watch this again, you know? So this is you ordered all those sauces and somebody gave you mustard? Dude, if you gave me mustard, I would go get my own food somewhere else. Mustard's truly the worst experience on this earth. I wouldn't even eat the food just because it's been in a bag with mustard. But this isn't that bad. This isn't that bad. Mm -hmm. But it's just like I didn't have my sauce. Mustard is to you what lettuce is to me. Yes. Don't let it near me, please. Well, that was a, a turn that we took. Much like these young kids took a turn and changed their lives forever. But um, This is a very specific movie. It's a very specifically late 90s slasher that airs more on the side of caution and while still being rated R. It is very whodunit. And it does have that all-star cast. But here's the thing. There are quite a few flaws with this. And, you know, when looking at when looking at my list, I do have like a lot of red highlights, like things that I disliked. But the thing is, a lot of those things are narrowed down specifically to two people. And those people do not ruin the movie for me. This movie was still a nice, smooth ride. It still just put me in this little time machine back to 1997 when everything was fun. And I got to just sit at home and watch dope horror movies all the time. This, it was watching this, watching Scream, watching Urban Legends, but that was like the trifecta of my late 90s experience, so maybe this movie is buried in nostalgia for me, but I will say this, Jennifer Love Hewitt was better in this movie than I think she gets credit for, and Sarah Michelle Gellar deserves better. I want to see Sarah Michelle Gellar in more horror movies. That's what I really want, but with that, it gets a slash. It's a fun time, just like Peach said. I just can't believe I'm here on this side by myself. And I truly thought that Paris had my back here. I I'm thought so we were sorry, the Ryan. same. I thought we understood each other. And then <laughs> it, now it's just me, a lonely hacker standing alone. I'm surprised it wasn't 90s enough for you because it was like, just like so 90s. All the outfits? I, it was just the outfits. Everything else didn't give me the 90s vibe. You know, I only had three years in 90s of my life and I liked it. <laughs> so do you feel like one of those people who absolutely loves friends and everyone in the room is like friends was a horrible tv show no friends is like okay friends right. is cool friends is like a background tv i'm not particularly like uh convicted these about are it. facts friends is kind of <laughs> overrated i think if this went more rated r i would have been on your side i think that's mm -hmm. the thing i think with the gore or something look ryan i'm sorry that you're there alone but four out of the five of us here had some fun with this movie, and I know what you did last summer got a slash. As I mentioned before, you can definitely find this movie streaming on Shudder. Don't try to watch it in the TV app, I guess, because you might have some sound issues. Go straight to Shudder and just watch it there. Save yourself the trouble. Check it out, and we'll see you in a bit. What's up, halibut? <laughs> Do you enjoy the ride in the reel? Are you a city slicker who endlessly bickers with your family? Get back out into nature and catch yourself a tasty carp. 
don't risk falling in and ruining your high speed garb, wear one of our patented Fisher slickers. These Kevlar infused fishing jackets will keep your clothes dry and your sportsmanship moist and ready for action. Fisher slickers are waterproof, rainproof, and painproof thanks to our opioid infused moisture wicking liner. So get your worms and galoshes ready, it's fishing time. Welcome back. I know what you did last summer. Got four slashes and only one hack, which I know Ryan will defend, so it's okay. Uh, before we get into all the, the good stuff about this movie, there is the matter of gore to attend to in Alexis's absence. And it's no joke, guys. Like, we all know it. It's no secret. Very little gore in this movie. How'd you guys feel about that? Man, I think when you consider... I'm like stepping in for Alexis here because I knew she wouldn't be here and I feel like I have to defend her honor. To have the weapon of choice for almost all these kills or most of these kills be a meat hook, which is like super violent, right? Like this is gigantic metal hook that, I mean, you just can see it like ripping through people. The first kill that we get, well, the first kill from the killer um, that we see on camera is so nice and like really pulled me in and I was like oh snap like if this is what we're on board for if this if, if this is what is in store I'm on board like um the way he was even just pulled away and there's like a trail of blood and everything and then as the kills continued I feel like it was just less and less and less and like uh you know pretend hit and then blood spattered on the glass and you know instead of showing us the actual you know hits it's showing us the face of the victim where they're going oh and like i don't know that just doesn't do it for me i don't want to see a guy getting hit what his facial expression looks like i want to see him get hit did not get your rocks off no it didn't do it for me i didn't feel it it it, it just the first one really made you think it was going to be different than it ended up being. You're totally right, Ryan. Another thing that was definitely missing from these kills was like the audio element because so many times he would like stab somebody with this like fishy meat hook and you would hear like the sound of like a punch or like a thud. And I was like, Mm -hmm. this needs to sound piercing. This needs to sound moist. This needs to sound wet and bloody and juicy. And it didn't at all. I noticed that during one of the last kills. I was like, "Ah, these sound effects are very meh. I think he was using the blunt end. So the kills were too dry for you yeah they were dry kills had some dry kills here i just don't get it why why the meat hook of all the weapons it's also kind of like counterintuitive because the sharp part is pointing back at you <laughs> so mm. it's like maybe not the <laughs> best know. weapon. i don't know i just thought like he used that hook in so many different ways it was like the most like it was like he was like advertising it he was like you want to see what a hook can do let me show you <laughs> like <laughs> that's that's what he seemed like he, he was doing you know what I thought was weird was we have a hook. We have the potential for some amazing kills of our main characters, yet we didn't see any gore with our main characters at all. Nope, none. We got to see a little bit of the actual like death of some of the side characters. Mm-hmm. But if you think of like the main characters, at least the two that I can remember that we got to see taken out, like we just got to see the fact that they died. Yeah. Like when they got God, I think the most you would see is just some blood. Really, that's about it. Did we even see that for the for the two? Mm. A little, like a little, yeah, like a droplet. And that's that's not enough. When we get to see some characters that we're not really attached to, 
get taken out and we get to see their facial expressions and we get to see the impact. But for the main characters, we get to see the fact that it happened, but not the actual kill itself. Like what a missed opportunity. So there were a lot of scenes where it was like, oh yeah, there should be a dead body there. Like somebody just died right there. Like you just saw it and you saw like the little bit of blood you see a little bit more blood and you're like, oh, okay, this one must be pretty graphic. Well, you expect to see that when they get there, you see some of that gore and there's like nothing there or nothing suspicious. So I'm thinking, man, not only is my guy using a hook, he's using bleach or something. He's like (laughs) cleaning as he goes. I have no idea like there was a lot of scenes like that where i was just really confused like what is going on he's gonna have to be because how can you move that many crabs out of a trunk and then the trunk be bone dry in a matter of minutes and not smell okay here's the thing right a constant issue a persistent issue is the lack of acknowledgement of the sense of smell Mm. obviously the audience can't smell right however jason Voorhees, that man is undead and also (laughs) is in the water he's gonna smell rotten how come you can open up that trunk with such gusto that that wind doesn't permeate like the the smell of crabbiness (laughs) literally my first thought was i know she's gonna say something like it still smells like crabs right she has to have you smelled crabs before it doesn't go away quickly it would never go away out of that trunk I would, yes, I would like, I would argue a dead body and crabs would, the scent would never go away. You would have to sell that car and be like, just so you know. <laughs> the guy's like really, really quick to clean up his mess. Like, I swear. I even think there's a scene in there where like, he like wipes the blood off his hook, like with a, like a wipe or something. That's how you're going to do it in these COVID days. Oh man. While watching this, I thought to myself, actually, no, I said it out loud. I said a clean hook is a happy hook. It's just one big smiley face. I will say that uh crab max fishy road was definitely my favorite kill. Um, him just like getting taken off screen by only, only by the means of that hook. And I think it's also because That actor in particular, I can't take him seriously for anything. You know, like I've seen him be in so many things, but he'll always be that one guy from Big Bang Theory. Yeah, that honestly, that death, also like the first death, just the hitting that man with your car and then like dragging his body all over town. um, That had more gore than really the rest of it. And it is hilarious that later Sarah Michelle Gellar says, we were so careful. And Jennifer Love You, it has to say, were we, Helen? Were we? <laughs> it's also um, interesting the way they like explain away the whole beginning. Like I, I know that it mostly comes from one character trying to keep them from calling the police and everything. And these characters, I don't think would have had any issues if they called the police and told the truth. But with that being said, it is funny that later the cops come in and the cop is just like a total annoying cop, like doesn't want to listen to anything you have to say. It's a very weird dynamic that happens. Also, like she runs into the crowd and everybody like swarms her and like holds her hostage, kind of. <laughs> wow, this I'm just crazy like, woman's trying to have an opinion about something. Swarm yeah, her. <laughs> it's this like weird hysteria thing that they're trying to. I, I don't know. There's some interesting things that happen in this movie, but I'm telling you, it all could have been avoided. There's a scene at the beginning where. Um, uh on the beach like when they're telling the tales and stuff and it kind of leads you to thinking this would be a really gory movie and she was saying like oh yeah no he was like hung and then he was beheaded and there was like blood like dripping from his head and i like i'm I'm painting this image in my head i'm like oh that's pretty graphic okay like you might be seeing that later you know just like a heads up and nothing really came around to something like that so kind of like setting you up for the gore you know or the suspicion or typically how tales go you know and there's not really not a whole lot of gore to that 
I would have loved a, be- a beheading. It would have been great. That's all. That's all we really needed. Just to throw a beheading in there. You just wanted a contribution uh, to the end of year best decapitation list. Bingo. You got it. So I will say though, Ryan, that scene you were talking about where the guy like, uh, sorry, Max uh, gets like hooked like through the mm-hmm. jaw and like pulled through. That was probably like one of my favorite kills in that movie. It's also one of the only two that you see. Yeah, one yeah. of the only two that you see. And um, it was quick. It was quick. And you were like, whoa. And that was like the first kill I think it was actually aside from the person they ran over. But, you know, yeah. who cares about that? But I will say this. While his death may have been my favorite from a gore perspective, my favorite and simultaneously least favorite outside of that, like main character death, was Helen. Because he was brutal with her. You had so much hope for her. And this, you know, I can't, I'm tired of seeing these movies from the 90s where Sarah Michelle Gellar just gets got. And I know she's Buffy, so I know we have a whole series of TV shows where she is the survivor. However, I wanted to see her pull through. And the amount of viciousness that was in that kill, I know we didn't see the blood, but to see him going in on her against those tires in that alley, it was brutal. You could only imagine what she'd look like. Yeah, and honestly, in regards to that, she did the same thing that she did in Scream 2, where she went upstairs and then jumped out a window, except this time she didn't die when she jumped out the window. So I was like, oh, bitch, you got this. You can still escape. (laughs) Um, But it ended up being really reminiscent of Wendy from the original uh, prom night, where her kill and her chase scene was like a solid like 15 minutes long, and then she still died. So I, too, was disappointed by that. But I feel like she got enough of a of a fighting chance in there where it was like okay you really did your damnedest to get the hell out of here and if it weren't for that fucking parade you'd probably still be alive yeah now i will say that my favorite death in the movie was actually the cop because he was supposed to be the the saving grace it was like okay finally we have somebody that can actually figure this out and do something and then he was one like put sarah michelle geller in the back where i feel like she shouldn't have been because she didn't do anything um, and then proceeded to not believe anything she said. And then even when she tried to warn him, she was like, the killer's behind you. Like, what I've been trying to tell you this whole time is happening right now. He was like, huh? And then just got got. And I was like, well, that's what you get for being bad at your job. <laughs> I just like how they get at that caution tape. He's like, oh, looks like I'm going to have to detour through the alley. Yeah. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> well, also, she kicked through the back of that window, which I don't think you can do in police cars anymore. You don't know the power of Sarah Michelle Geller's feet. Those feet carried her through Scream too. In a strappy sandal. Yeah, she had um, she had heels on too, right? When she got out, I was like, "Man, you need to take those things off." She had a chunky, strappy sandal. She made it though. She made it so far. I do love a death in an evening gown. That's something that I'm always a sucker for. Mm. <laughs> she did look good in that <laughs> dress. Can't lie. Yeah. Does anybody think that like what the killer was wearing was like kind of weird, strange? Is that what fishermen wear? Obviously, everyone in that town had that outfit. They saw it everywhere. Oh, yeah. There was a couple people wearing that outfit in that town. And what did they call that festival? Like the Croker's Festival? Like, yeah, she was I think that's croaker. what I read. Ooh. <laughs> like, As a side note, my favorite uh, line from the movie was, oh, is Miss Croker going to get sautéed tonight? Oh, my God. Oh, how did I miss that? That's great. Who said that? <laughs> oh, the salt, salty sister. Oh, that's <laughs> right. As we like to call she had some really good bitchy lines. <laughs> Elsa. Yeah. Yeah, this is not what fishermen wear. And maybe at some point it was what fishermen wear, and maybe they wear it somewhere. But for this to be, first off, clearly wasn't North Carolina. But if we're going to go with it being North Carolina, I'd, I don't know. That's one of the things I couldn't buy into is just the image of this character. Like, no one's wearing a slicker. 
unless you, it, it literally had to have been like Oregon or Washington where it would be cold and rainy. Yeah. Not North there Carolina. Was, there was too little rain to justify like the full hat look. He looked right. like the Gordon Fisherman in all black. Yeah. You definitely wear boots, but I don't know about slickers. I, my family is not fishermen by trade, but are fishermen by hobby. Nobody's ever worn anything like this ever in their lives. Is the absence of the fisherman attire what's holding them back from being a professional? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe that's what it is definitely like slowed them down right i mean yeah (laughs) honestly it was a fisherman town for sure and i don't know if we've covered this on the podcast but if there's one thing i love it's a pervasive nautical theme which they really sold throughout the entire movie from top to bottom so i loved that element of it that's part of why it got a slash it was very specific i didn't expect that going into it but it was like oh this is a fisherman town and that is actually the only thing we are about here I also thought the killer kind of looked like Batman a little bit. I was getting like some Batman vibes. It was the scowling. <laughs> it was the scowling from the little bit of his like jaw that you can make out. Oh, yeah. I can see like, that. Like a really sad Batman. One thing that I did give away who he was, though, was like his nose or like what you could see. You could just tell it was an older guy. You were like, oh, I don't know about that. Like, yeah, gave away a lot of things. I forgot, like, when we're in that scene where Helen is in the parade and she looks up right at him, and he's, like, waving at her with the hook, like, hey, bitch. So that was him. I forgot how clearly you could see his face. Yeah, and, like, nobody around him, like, was suspicious to, like, call the cops on him or, like, hey, there's, like, some guy up there waving a hook. Like, that's kind of suspicious. Why is that hook not back where it belongs in the fishery? (laughs) Yeah, why does he have a hook on him in public? Like, that's just kind of weird. Jumping back to the beginning, I have a question that I wanted to ask you guys, but then after hearing everybody kind of allude to it before the break, I'm a little worried. But let's say, here's a hypothetical, we're all in a car, and we hit a man, he's dead, who is team murder packed? No one but you. Okay, wait, who's driving? Is it just me? Yeah, it's just you. Uh, See, for me, it's like, if that happens, you know, you... I would probably say leave the body and get the fuck out of there and then just like move elsewhere, like to Europe or Australia, somewhere where you can just start a new life. I'm deeply concerned by the series of choices you'd say you make in these movies. I thought at least half of us would be team murder packed. Let's just never talk about this again and just move on with our lives. Because like, it's going to be so messy and like you're just about to go to college. So like, if you're going to throw it all away, at least like throw it all away and like don't spend the rest of your life in trial or jail. Or, or, hear me out, you just call the cops and say what happened. I am more team don't be silly and look around more than you need to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe because only one person here was like, where, if it was a, if it was a deer, where is it? As if deer don't run away after they hit cars. Oh, without Um, fail. Yeah, all the time. So, uh, if anything, I would be team, you know, stop looking for stuff, but mostly not that okay in this situation i do not think he was actually dead he did move and they did hit him with a flashlight in the arms and then threw him in the water where he obviously could not swim so (laughs) i would have been like team resuscitation let's get him going yeah this is true (laughs) i went through and i had to look at that part like three or four times i kept rewinding because i'm like somebody's hitting him with a flashlight like what what's going on and i saw um it was actually Julie's character, the one you would I wouldn't suspect, who's like hitting him in the arms with a flashlight, this big old flashlight. Yeah, it was because he grabbed her. Like he was like grabbing her. Mm-hmm. That's why she was hitting him. Okay, well, with that being said, 
if you guys did oppose my murder pact idea, I promise I wouldn't like choke you out against the car like Ryan Felipe did. Are you sure? <laughs> definitely. I'm definitely not entering into a murder pact with anyone. I'm sorry. I'm going straight to the cops. I live in Australia now. Try and find me, hoes. So true. Okay. Yes. Paris, you bring up an excellent point. Barry sucks. All right. And Ryan, I've always seen him as a complete D-bag because this is the first movie I've ever seen him in. And I just believe that he is a toxic, abusive alcoholic in his real life. Probably isn't. Probably a swell guy if he married Reese Witherspoon for a period of time. Not a fan. Man, when you do so good at your role, people think you actually are that. (laughs) That's acting. Chris, have you seen Cruel Intentions? I have not, no. He's very charming and very sexy in that, and you can see his entire butt. I'm sure I will like only... None of those things. (laughs) For me, I didn't really care for any of these characters. And that's part of what I think disconnects me from this movie. I think if it were different characters and like that's it's not their fault that they're in something that I connect them to, you know, um, afterwards. But it is what it is. And I think that that's a big part of it for me. Um, I can't think of one character that I enjoyed. I enjoyed looking at them. They're very nice to look at in this movie. Like our girl with the cropped tied halter, not halter, cropped tied button up sleeveless uh, collared shirt. With the headband and the arm cuff. Truly. Oh my God. My mom had that outfit. It was iconic. Mm, so many good things happening. And I even like like the the difference between the way Julie and Helen were dressed because they're totally mm-hmm. different characters. But as far as who these characters were, no, thank you. I feel like pretty much everyone in this movie made a horrible decision at some point or was just a horrible person. So it's hard to really like pick one and you're like that. You know what? I'm cool with them because pretty much everyone we're, we're you know, introduced to is kind of horrible in some sort of way. And even like, you know, in the second half when like we know what's happened and they're like trying to find their way out, as we start meeting more people, they're pretty horrible too. The cop, obviously horrible in this movie, doesn't believe someone who's like trying to like stay alive, of course. The sister can't react fast enough. You know, we're trying to run into a building. We're, we're about to be killed. And we're like, let me in, let me in, pounding on the door. Oh my gosh, let me in. And what happens? I'm going to go a little bit slowly and like, whatever. It's not a big deal. Oops. I don't have the keys. I'll go back and get them. And I'm just sitting here like, come on, somebody be good. She's going to say this very Halloween vibes with Lori and Tommy. Ugh. It's just, it's kind of painful. Gotta yeah. be honest. Yeah. I don't know. I don't care. Like if, like if I were to ever, which I don't, if I were to ever like hate my siblings and they came up to a door like that and they were just screaming like, Hey, help me. That'd be a really bad thing for me. Like, I just, I I just can't imagine, you know, I I just, I can't see myself in those shoes being like, this person's like really screaming frantically. It's late at night. Something's obviously up here. I don't know what's going on. I'd be a little bit afraid myself, actually. And then to Um, say, you could have just walked around the Broad Street entrances open. Yeah. I mean, that's that's (laughs) like, that's just terrible. Also, was she 40 in this movie? (laughs) <laughs> She's so old in this movie. I mean, I don't know. She just seems Class so much older than... So she would have been in her mid to late 20s? She seems 36, especially <laughs> with that attitude. I think we can all agree that Elsa is a cold-hearted bitch. And yes, that is a Frozen reference for everyone at home. I thought you were going to make one. And I was like, don't do it. Just let it go. 
<laughs> oh my god too Why'd much you do this? <laughs> so here's the thing i want i want to go back to this barry choking out julie moment because yeah what frustrates me most about the way these characters are painted yes helen is flawed julie is also flawed however barry puts his hands on her slams her up against the car and what does ray do Hops around. I'm like, hey, man, no, let her go. So fuck Barry and fuck <laughs> Ray for not immediately getting him off of his girlfriend. What oh the gosh. hell? That impersonation. And, no, and, and additionally, here's here's the bigger issue there. And this is why big points for Julie's character in my book. Ray strikes me as the small town guy who doesn't actually deserve her. Like he's a nice guy, but like she's destined for greater things and he's probably going to end up holding her back. And... He just keeps focusing in the movie on me and you, you know? So he attempts to tell her how she felt, right? So he's like, I know you hold me accountable. And she's like, no, um, I'm responsible for my own feelings and my own actions. Thank you, good sir. And then he tries to hold, put the whole like you and me thing. And then she promptly reminds him that there is no you and me. She's the only one. Like she may have gotten like popped into this whole group of like reckless privilege, However, she is also the only one with any semblance of emotional maturity and intelligence. Of course, because she's the brunette. Yes. Fact. I actually, in the scene where she was getting choked by Ryan Felipe, I actually laughed out loud because she doesn't react whatsoever. She just has the most (laughs) glazed over dead look in her eyes. And she's like, fine, I'll agree to your murder pact. And I was like, that's honestly the best thing you can do when you're getting choked is just like, don't give them the satisfaction of choking. But what was a good moment is the scene where Ryan Felipe went kickboxing and then went into the locker room and was very naked. That was satisfying for me as a viewer. Unsurprising. I feel like that's written into his contracts at at this time in the 90s where it was like, Ryan Felipe, if you're going to be in a movie, you do have to show nip. This is an obligation. They have a tiered kind of contract. It's like either you're going to show us butt or we got to see at least nips. I actually, I actually really loved a lot of the characters in this movie, mostly the two girls, Julie and Helen. Julie, she was kind of annoying, but you could tell she was like really smart and, you know, had a good head on her shoulders with a lot of things that you said, Chris. But for me, the all star of this whole thing was Sarah Michelle Gellar as Helen, because you start off the movie, you know, she's at the top of her game. She like probably sailed through high school. She ended up as like croaker queen, which is like she had everything going for her. And then this one shitty thing happens to her. And when we found out that One year later, she ended up like failing at her acting career in New York and ended up as like a townie working in her dad's like general store. My heart like broke for her because I was like, oh, that's so embarrassing. That's like such a hard like slice of humble pie she had to swallow for everybody that she sees to be like, oh, what happened to New York, Helen? And she's like, well, it didn't work out. And she's probably said that a thousand times. And now she's like wearing a bump it behind the counter of this fragrance thing. And it was just like really sad. And then she also got like a lot of really funny lines of dialogue. Like when they go to see the um, the sister of the guy that they think they killed, she says two really funny things on the way in. She says, Angela Lansbury always has a plan, which is a reference to murder she wrote. And then she says, Jodie Foster tried this and a skin ripping serial killer answered the door. And then that was a reference obviously to uh, Silence of the Lambs. And then when they're in there, I thought it was cute that when they made up fake names, they chose Angela and Jody as the fake names. So I was like, you know, the writing in here, it might be a little basic. It might be a little cliche, but it's also a little bit clever, too. And I appreciated the that 
relationship that those two characters had. To be fair, her failure is pretty common. I have, I have a friend who did some modeling and had some success with it. Went to New York, though, and had her her small modeling career and is done with it. And I asked her, I was like, oh, are you going to get back into it ever? Because you're still pretty young. She's in her late 20s. And she was like, nope, that, that, that time's done. I did that. New York is done. So, you know, she had her she had her years probably more than most people get. And so, you know, obviously she's emoting that it was a failure and she's kind of embarrassed of where she is. But really, she should be proud of the fact that she made it that far, that she actually tried and got out of her small town. She didn't put a whole lot of time into it, though, which concerns me. Yeah, that's true. She's 18 (laughs) or however old. It's also rich, too. I think it was also like, you know, when you live in a small town, everyone's like, oh, my God, you should be a model. And then you go to like New York and you try modeling. And most of the people are like, no, like you may be small town a 10, but New York, you're a six. And then just like swallowing that pill for her. It is tough to go from being the big fish in the small pond to being the small fish in a big pond. Like very different kind of environment. I like that fish reference. Yeah, it's good. Very topical. Oh, one more great line between the two girls uh, when they're trying to figure out like after the crab scene, when they're trying to figure out like what the hell's going on. um, Jennifer Love Hewitt is like, I don't know why, why did blah, blah, blah. Why did he make coleslaw on Helen's head after she got that like botched haircut by the killer? I didn't even catch that line. (laughs) I had to rewind for it because I was like, did she just say coleslaw? (laughs) See, I caught that, but it didn't hit for me. The only one that hit for me was the croaker getting sauteed. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Ryan, was there anything in this movie that had like a little shred of redemption? Obviously not total redemption or you would have slashed it, but anything that you enjoyed. The first kill. That's, I mean, it's not that I didn't enjoy anything else. Everything else was just like meh, missing seasoning. Yeah. It was just like, cool. I'm watching a movie. I think this feels ridiculous to say. I watched this movie for an hour and a half and the two things that I enjoyed were the outfits and the first death. That happens Um, to me a lot, Ryan. It's not that ridiculous. (laughs) It's hard. Um, But it's not because everything else is so bad. There are definitely some issues that I had, but it's just kind of all just like, all right, here we are. Is there anything specific that you think could have made it better? I mean, aside from not any of this happening, uh, <laughs> I think the writing and the dialogue would have been where I'd like to see the most improvement. Um, I don't have specific examples, but there were a few times where they would like mention something and without like the normal progression of time or thought or logic or anything, it would just be all of a sudden, okay, yeah, let's do that. And like, if you don't think about it, it, it works, it's fine. Um, but when you sit and like are watching characters that don't develop their ideas, they just all of a sudden are acting on them. If that makes sense. Uh, it's just one of those things that just kind of like takes me out of it. The one thing I think would have added just a little bit extra Polynesian sauce to this waffle fry. Okay. Okay. Is (laughs) after the infamous line, what are you waiting for? It's just like a really like close up shot of just crying and tears and feeling like you're insane and no one believes you and you don't know what you're going through. Just like a moment of just being like, what the heck is going on in the world? Yeah. There was almost this moment where they could have made it seem like the people were just going crazy themselves um, as far as there maybe not actually being a killer. Um, and I think if they like had, had those sad like chaos moments that you could see in their minds, I would have added a bit to it as well. Yeah. In my opinion, I think the best part of the film uh, wasn't so much like the whole slasher killer 
uh, type motive it was going for. I think it was more so just the beginning where things were going really well for them. They were out celebrating and then they end up getting into that accident where they uh, hit a guy. And it's interesting to see how now, granted, this is fictitious, but if this were to really happen, you know, what, what people do when people outweigh like the risk versus the benefits, like when, um, like how much is too much? Like I could actually possibly get away with this, but am I okay with doing that? My, like knowing I did this, you know, but at the same time, I'm going to be continuing all this good future ahead of me without, you know, possibly risking it. Um, you know, and, and not only that, like you're with, you're with people too. So they're also kind of on the same page, but they're actually looking at each other and actually using each other more as like a leverage to like, Oh, this is what we need to do. We kind of talked about like how we were disappointed that some of them just wouldn't stand up for themselves. Like they knew it was right and wrong, but it came down to the fact that, Hey, this is what they're on board with. I need to do this way. Cause this must be the best thing. I may not know something they don't know. Peer pressure. One bad apple spoils the bunch. Exactly. And, and you know, like some of those people I don't think would have been in trouble because they were just kind of, as I said earlier, like the wrong place, wrong time. Undoubtedly the guy that was crossing the street right there in like the middle of like wherever, <laughs> I don't even know why. Um, it was just all chance. And so just how quickly that happened and just the fear of that happening to really anybody, you know, uh, whether you're the person getting hit ugh, or you're the one that just did that and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like, I feel like most people depending, cause this demographic is like a young teenage group. Like they have so much more ahead of them and they're looking at really good things ahead. And then they're just like, you know what, let's risk it, double it or nothing. Let's throw this guy in the lake or the, the ocean and we'll call it that. And we'll never talk about this again. And just how that plays out for them over time where things turn out a lot worse than they thought rather than being tried. Now they're being killed or hunted or, um, so honestly, that was like the best part. It wasn't all of the film, but it was the thing that got things going. And that one thing though, is what I really appreciated out of this movie. But can we also agree that had they actually killed him, they would have been fine? Yeah, that's true. Had they actually killed him, they would have been fine. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, officer, I was DDing. I did, we did the right thing there. That's true. And then, okay, a part of the story that did need to exist was like the Billy Blue situation. Yeah. Yeah, it was cool that he went to talk to her. Like, I get it. I understand why he would, but... One, why would he keep it secret? And then two, why do we need to know about it if it has nothing to do with anything? So Aside from trying to make us suspicious. That's that's literally why it exists. He kept it secret because they fucked. <laughs> Hello. First of all, she was oh, the yeah. best looking person oh, oh, in this oh, movie. Oh, you're right. She said we had a little thing for a while. Yeah. Oh, she said he point. got sweet on her. Yeah. Or they were sweet on each other. Yeah, they were sweet on each other. So, so let's get back to her because Missy was like honestly the best looking person in this movie. She was the best looking person oh, in yeah. this movie? Oh, yeah. What? You, sir, have a very specific taste that does not overlap with mine. I don't know if you guys agree. Maybe, like, potential-wise? Mac, they deliberately put her in a nude dress. Oh, so yes. she was <laughs> I don't know. Maybe maybe it's the short blonde hair thing. Did you I don't know. see the crocheted halter top? <laughs> Look, it's like, you know, it's cool. It's like Etsy or whatever. But Yeah. I feel like the fact that she wasn't played by Chloe Sevigny was a missed opportunity. <laughs> we were just, you know, not ready for that time yet. We are you know, 10 <laughs> to 20 years too early. I also have one final thing that I'm going to be a Debbie Downer about. The amount of scenes in this movie that were obviously a set bothered me, especially the underwater death, not death. Like, I mean, I get it. I understand we're not really going to be in a lake in North Carolina, Oregon at night filming this, but um, 
is just so obvious. And like, like you said, Paris, there's, there's no kelp forest. <laughs> this is not finding Nemo. The lights that were streaming through the water were horrible. It was like the clearest water in a pool that you've ever seen. I had that whole scene was just cheesy to me, like cheese balls, like the giant plastic bin of cheese balls that you get from Walmart. I mean, that kelp forest was visibly plastic as well. So it wasn't even a great set. Bro, it was a fish tank. I had trouble watching that scene because so I, I, I like to swim in the ocean, Atlantic Ocean specifically. It's nice. It's salty water. You know, every now and then sharks eat somebody, whatever. I get eh, it. No big deal. I can't stand swimming in lakes where there's like growth in the water. Like you get on the floor and there's like, you know, or whatever they call the floor of the sea. But you're in the lake. There's like plants growing up. There's like fish swimming around it. And you can like feel things touching you. And I'm not down for it. And they get in the water here and supposedly in North Carolina, which we all know would probably not look like this at all. But there's like plants. What's going on here? Plastic plants, nonetheless. Yeah. Where is this? Yeah, it definitely <laughs> looks like the coast of the West. It was skeevy. I couldn't, I just, I was like, yeah. no, don't get in that water. You don't know what's in there. There's something that's going to like climb into your body and eat you from the inside out. If that's <laughs> North Carolina, <laughs> it's like brown, uh, like seaweed that's just kind of floating around. Yeah. I mean, I this movie is set in the southern part of North Carolina, but I've been in all parts of South Carolina, like heading up to North Carolina and none of it looked like this. So I don't know what's going on here. I don't like when I can tell you're on a set. It it doesn't make me happy. And there was a few scenes here where I was like, okay, fun times. I just thought it was absolutely hilarious when he dragged the, the, he was like holding the crown and just like taking it with him. (laughs) Yeah. And how Barry was just not about that. He was like, I'm getting that crown back for you. (laughs) Well, that's evidence. Yeah. I thought two things during this scene. One, if this was the horror movie we talked about being in the 100th episode, I would have died because I would have been underwater and couldn't swim. Uh, two, <laughs> I was thinking of how reckless it was that your boy saw the, the guy open his eyes, had a firm enough grasp. His eyes were open underwater, and the, he still just went up and said, all right, let's go. Like, that guy could very possibly swim to the surface and get out. Yeah. But you just could left I... him there without knowing See, he was dead. At that point, that's not manslaughter. I think that's more that's more homicide now. <laughs> Your intentions are to leave him and die. That's basically it. Like, he's not dead, obviously. He's still got some life on him. Well, when they brought him to the water to dump him, wasn't that like murder one at least? Yeah, that was kind of premeditated without knowing he was not dead, I guess. We need our resident, like, you know, lawyer, like law checker. Either way. Look into the difference there. At the end of that, that should be homicide. They had signs of life in him and they still chose to throw him in the water. And then nonetheless, as they saw him going down, he was going down to get the crown, his eyes open and still like strength with the grasp. You know, it's just, that's just too much. Imagine thinking a fisherman wasn't going to swim up and live. (laughs) (laughs) What? And at that point, you know, if he were to survive that and they maybe did change their minds, then they could be charged, like that would be attempted homicide. Why didn't they They, like use that opportunity to say like, oh my gosh, you were drowning and we saved you. Obviously that man. And he'd be like, I don't know what's going on. I have a massive concussion. that is smart. (laughs) I'd rather live with that. I'm thinking, why didn't we just like hit him over the head with a plank and just like really seal the deal? (laughs) And then- Hashtag murder pact. Go about our lives. Oh, Paris. Had he been murdered, the pact would have been fine, but he was not fully murdered, and that's why it was a problem, which is ironic because it ended up being that they weren't guilty of anything, except stupidity. He's only half dead. Now, just before we move on, Ryan, I have a question for you because you're talking about the sets. 
I think that this is something that we can all universally appreciate, but maybe you won't. How do we feel about the fishing boat as a setting of like a final climactic scene? Because I really enjoyed it. I was fine with it. Um, maybe slightly unrealistic, but I mean, at this point of this movie, I kind of just <laughs> let all that go. Because um, it really looked like the type of fishing boat, which would have one internal room and external walkways um, for the most part. But I mean, I was fine with it. I feel like at that point, it did have to go that way. And I was actually pretty happy with him showing himself and talking to her without his whole get up on and getting her into his boat. Although running from one man into another stranger's boat, it's a very strange uh, decision to make. She did hesitate for a moment. There was like a moment where she was just like, I don't know, but I don't trust him. So I guess I'll go. Yeah. She like kind of didn't hesitate. So she got into the boat. Yeah. Like yeah. her hesitation wasn't, it wasn't enough. <laughs> I thought that was a uh, pretty cool. Like when he like, clothesline that guy with his arm i was like holy cow like he took him out like he's gone um and then he like something something about that was weird though because i'm like who's this random person just like coming out of nowhere now for the first time looking like he's helping there are no good samaritans in this town (laughs) yeah i know and there's like one guy like at night at the docks just happens to like swing his arm around the corner like i'm just gonna wait right here and when he comes by i'm just gonna smack him in the face i actually enjoyed the filming on a ship it's kind of cool or i guess a boat in this case but that's so difficult to do to one stand on a boat. I can't do it. It makes me horribly sick. And so I can definitely respect when people can, you know, stand and move around and get in and out of the water. Cause I'd probably be, you know, stricken with, with vertigo and motion sickness and want to throw up all over the place. But it's kind of neat because if we think about a fishing boat, we're just imagining like, there's like, you know, you're on the top part and you go downstairs and there's like the place where you get your alcohol. But they have to keep all the fish, you know, in the ice and they have to have all these different chambers within the boat. And they have to have the engine. It's not just one of those things where you have a motor, on, you know, attached to the back of the boat. So it's kind of cool to see them crawl all throughout this, this fishing boat because the fishing boat itself could be the set to a horror movie. We could have one just set on a fishing boat. Nice and claustrophobic, but thankfully that's not the case in this movie. But I, I really enjoyed seeing them kind of trying to maneuver because the killer's obviously in control in the situation. It's his boat. He knows what's going on. And the entire time I'm sitting here thinking like, you know, he, he's going to get her because he knows every inch of this. At one point she's holding on to a grate down to where he would, you know, obviously drop the fish. And all I could think of was house of wax. I was like, he's, you know, he's got to chop her fingers off or she's, stomp him or something. Or stomp him. He's yep. got the hook. He's going to hook her hand. Mac, when we were talking before the break about the jump scares, the one in the middle that got you, was it the one where the two girls left Missy's house and they're sitting in the car and then Missy jumps at the window? 100%. Because they're setting everyone up to be potentially the killer. And they obviously try to make her look a little bit creepy. You know, she lives in the country. She's a little bit eccentric. But I I didn't really expect her to show back up at their car. And so it was so sudden, and they, I don't know if they made a sound or if it's my, my my brain made the sound upon seeing her, but I was like, that was a solid jump scare because I don't think you truly expected her to appear at the car while they were talking. So look, I know that uh, I don't really do this for many slashers because I just, I have this love of them. So this movie obviously checks a ton of boxes for slasher tropes. Now, would you guys like to know a few? Please. Yes, please. All of them. Let's do it. All of them? Okay, we're going to do it really quickly. Rapid fire. Uh, number one, 
you have the classic slasher group. You have the jock, the beauty queen, the nerd, and the final girl. Yep. Number two, teenagers accidentally commit a crime, but jump straight to secret pack instead of going to the cops. Yep. Authority figures don't believe the kids once someone actually speaks up about something. Yep. The killer is driven by revenge. Always. Here's your favorite. The killer can whisk away a full-grown adult corpse in seconds without leaving evidence behind. <laughs> Plus crabs. Yes. That's the one. It's that fisherman strength. The villain looks to be dead, but the audience sees his eyes pop open. Oh, yeah. As referenced in the screen movies. Mm-hmm. Bones are out of service. We saw this with Helen at the shop trying to make a call. Mm-hmm. When someone fears something bad has happened, someone shouts the other person's name. So Helen is upstairs. She thinks something's going on downstairs, and instead of just going down there to look or staying quiet, she shouts Elsa, (laughs) thus drawing the killer to her location. Here I am, echolocation. Mm. The character is seemingly rescued, but they turn out to be rescued or helped by the killer. Such a good one. Mm. I would have got on that boat, too. Number 10, assholes and bitches never survive. I see you, Barry. (laughs) This is a good one. The killer delivers several quick blows during their kills, but they will hold at least one for a few seconds for a dramatic pause. That's good. Yeah. As he says, got him. The final girl stumbles upon most of the dead bodies by the end. We saw this on the boat when all the heads were on ice. That was a fun one. The killer walks and still manages to catch their victim. That's a given. Any slasher. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Character finds a dead body, gets help, but when they get back, the body's gone. Oh, yeah. That is pretty classic. A character turns around only to turn back around and have the killer right behind them. We have Helen in the alley. Ugh. You hate to see it. When being pursued, the victim just feels this natural urge to flee upstairs, then jump out of a window or a balcony. Mm-hmm. Also, Helen? That's a trope because that's a Sarah Michelle Geller iconic move. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. Have you not seen Scream? <laughs> oh, yeah. It happens in both Scream. Scream 1 and Scream 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some form of legend told in the movie. Dolls are used to creepy effect. Peach, the mannequins covered in plastic in the store? I thought for sure that would spook you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was. It was a little, little weird. This one's a good one. Characters often find cryptic messages or warnings written in red on a mirror. mm Always. So much red lipstick. You know what this is reminding me of, Chris? This is a lot like Leslie Vernon's story. Yep. This is like the how-tos. Yeah, that, that's absolutely it. And I'm disappointed that the hook or the fisherman wasn't included in that movie as part of the lore. But um, hmm. we have your last few here. The slasher tends to be centered on a particular holiday or event, in this case, the 4th of July. Yep. Killer enjoys grabbing victims through panes of glass, the shower at the end. When a character barricades themselves in, the killer's always either already inside or quickly finds another way in, i.e. going to that back door that was already open. The killer's name is anticlimactically really common, like Ben. <laughs> uh, the slasher can hold her breath for a long time underwater, and turns out the killer's not quite dead. Always. Good yeah. job. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty you clear some, cut. Some applause for that. Look, they followed the formula. Good for them. They did their job. And this one is a bonus one. It ran out at number 26. A lot of slashers tend to begin with a death sequence. This one did. We just didn't see all of it because it would have ruined the uh, the big twist. This movie kind of reminded me of Scream if it wasn't like so meta. It was more like an untainted version of Scream. I feel like it could take place in the same universe where they weren't as like self-aware of being in a horror well, movie. Written by the same guy. So there you go. Now... Obviously, this movie checks a lot of those boxes. Honestly, those are all boxes I love. Those are That's not a dig to this movie in any way for me. I think it's a lot of fun. But like Paige was saying, there's a duel of morality in the beginning of this movie. And that's a thread that carries all the way through. So while this is 
your run-of-the-mill slasher, it does still try to have a little bit more substance, which I think helps set it apart from other slashers of its time. Now, we've talked about a lot, and I think we do still have a little bit to learn with Factor Fiction. Perhaps we do. Let's talk about beaches or bodies of water. Dawson's Creek is named after the beach in this movie, Dawson's Beach, as the show's creators are big fans of this movie. Fiction. Mm, Yeah, no, I'm going to go with fiction, too. I want to say fiction because... I just feel it in my bones. I'm going fiction on technicality here. Good choice. You were all correct. It is fiction because, Chris, who created Dawson's Creek? Kevin Williamson. Wait, who wrote this movie? Oh, you mean the very same guy? Oh, <laughs> that's right. You guys are so <laughs> annoying. <laughs> I hate you both. However, I like to imagine that the two exist within the same universe. That makes it more interesting. Talking about some of those beaches, this film is set in Southport, North Carolina, but was obviously filmed mostly in California. I can definitely get behind that. Yeah, these are facts. There's no massive cliffs like that on the ocean in North Carolina. Yeah, and there isn't. I think you're trying to finesse us because the first shot is clearly not shot in North Carolina. However, I don't think it was shot in California. All of it was shot in California, so I'm going fiction. What makes you think that any of it was shot in North Carolina aside from like license plates though? No, you're right. I don't think it was shot in North Carolina. So maybe but this I is don't a think twist. it was shot in California. There's a negative in there. I'd say it's all shot in California, hinting to towards Carolina. I don't know. I'm gonna say fiction there. I'm gonna say fiction. <laughs> what just happened? I'm not gonna get tricked I'm by confused now. Fiction. Let's 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 bring it back and reduce some of the trickery. This is fiction. Okay. So the opening sequence obviously shot in California. That like winding road, that beach, that's so west coast. But yeah. This movie was shot in a place called Southport, North Carolina. Really? Indeed it was. Oh, wow. Which is pretty (laughs) wild. There was also some scenes set in Raleigh, uh, or shot in Raleigh, rather, (laughs) and some scenes shot in Duke, which you may recognize. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's pretty wild to imagine that they actually set a movie in North Carolina and mostly shot it in North Carolina. Okay. Helen's Family Store that quaint little store where she goes upstairs where she should have just left the store. They shot that in an actual real store in North Carolina that also sells clothing and home appliances. Mm. Why so specific? Fiction. I'm going to say fact because I believe that this place exists. Whether it's in North Carolina, I hope so. See, uh, I'm going to go with fact. I'm going to go with fact on that one. Yep. Fact. Yeah, this is a fact. So this is Harold's or Harrell's or however you want to pronounce it. This is Harold's department store in... North Carolina. This is a real place. Now, I don't know if in 2020 this place actually looks the same as it did in 1997 or 1998, but shot in a real department store. I would like to give this movie some credit for shooting a movie in the city or town that it was intended to be set in and actually using some uh, local stores and things that are important to them. Yeah, I think we're spoiled, you know? We get a lot of stuff shot in Georgia these days. Yeah, everything's like Georgia or California, that's it. So, that's cool. I'd I'd like to to give them credit for that. Next one up, this is one close to my heart. Sabrina the Teenage Witch herself, Melissa Joan Hart, turned down the role of Julie, played by Jennifer Love Hewitt. Fiction. I don't know why. I I don't know either. Um, I'm going to go on the opposite end and say... Nope, fiction. I'm staying with fiction. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm going to say fiction because 90s rules dictate that like the brunette dates the brunette, the blonde dates the blonde, and then like I don't think uh, Melissa Joan Hart dating Freddie Prince Jr. would have fit that formula. Wow. Fact. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a fact. She turned it down. Mm. And I don't know whose casting happened first, though. 
So maybe Freddie Prinze Jr. was not cast yet. I don't know. Maybe they didn't figure that formula out yet. But yeah, she turned it, she turned it down. Fun fact, um, she's from a town called Sayville, which is in Long Island, New York. Guess who else is from there? This guy right here, me. Aww. Yeah. Now, she's about 10 years older than me, but, uh, you know, she could... Uh, could have had a chance. You're from New York. <laughs> yeah, she could get it any day. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm from New York. Yeah, Sayville, Long Island, my hometown. I guess I knew that, but Max from the world. Don't you know that? Yeah, that's, that's basically what I think. There's not a place that he's not from. All right, next one up here. This is an important one. Leonard. 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 Fact. Fact. Totally fact. I don't know if anyone's seen Big Bang Theory, but Johnny Galecki, he plays Leonard. Oh. <laughs> Paris and Parker are so confused. He's amazing. And... You know, as a proper nerd or geek or whatever, and a fan of Star Wars and Star Trek and on all the star things, Big Bang Theory sometimes was a little bit pandering and a little bit, you know, simplifying of everything that I hold dear to my heart. I still kind of like it a little bit. I truly cannot stand that show. You and my parents both. Oh, parents (laughs) love it. It is such a, like, water with a drop of soda in it. Yeah. Don't give me that, you know? Yeah. But I'll, I'm going to give it some credit because it brought a little bit of nerdery and geekery to the mainstream. It's too mainstream, though. Yeah, that's true. That's all I have for you. Can I throw out a bonus factor fiction? Ooh. I'm always down for a bonus. We love a bonus round. Mac is excluded because he's Ooh, okay. the keeper of the knowledge. <laughs> we haven't been keeping score, but this is winner takes all. Fact or fiction. The original writer of the novel this film is based on was actually really excited to see it be made into a slasher because it was a genre that she was hoping to get into herself. Fact. I'm going to say fiction. She was probably mad about it. Fiction, because, I mean, I don't know. Well, actually, nope. I'm switching this. Fact. You'd just be stealing my answers. I just, well, I mean, I need, I need like, reason to write a book, you know? Like, ugh. <laughs> That's just me. I mean, if I'm going to write a book, I might as well hopefully get into that kind of area of expertise. You trust me too much. It's fiction. She was mad at, mad at it. And not only was she mad at it, she was mad <laughs> at it because her youngest daughter was murdered by a stranger. Oh, God. Oh, my uh, gosh. I didn't think about how dark authors I are. I won, Ooh. but at what cost? Blood on your crown, <laughs> good sir, just like Helen. <laughs> well, there you have it. Paris, congratulations on your win for winner take all. Uh, I know what you did last summer from 1997. It is a classic 90s slasher, and it actually made it out scathed only by one hack for my Cowardly Cooper and Ryan. It's an important hack. Don't devalue it. It is. And now I, I do want to point out that she represents so many people who don't like this movie because if you look at the rating for this on Shudder, it's two out of four stars. The lone hacks are often the most important. Just trying <laughs> to give yourself credit. <laughs> Keep in mind that we want to know what you think about I Know What You Did last summer. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to hear your voice. Uh, were you also living in the 90s and enjoying it? Or do you think that this lake is super unrealistic and probably actually filmed in a fish tank you can find us a number of ways starting with our website hackerslash.com or on our social media at instagram twitter and facebook you can also hit us up on the hacker slash hotline you can text us call us leave us a voicemail or an audio message our number is 757-606-0128 and if you know what i did last summer please send me an email feedback at hackerslash.com because i don't remember it all And if you enjoyed listening to our podcast, consider becoming one of our patrons. Check out patreon.com forward slash hacker slash where you can earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next summer. Bye.